In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue the book of First Samuel, and we are toward the end of the book of First Samuel. I just kind of remind you of where we are. We have two main characters that we have been watching the past few chapters. One is David the prophet, and David the prophet has been now working for the Philistines. He disobeyed God, and he left Judah, and he started now work for the Philistines, and is almost living like a murderer. He goes and he kills people, and he goes and uh, brings all the, all the, the spoils that he gets and bring it to the king of Philistines. So he became one of his subjects, one of the lords. I mean, Philistines have many lords, so he worked for one of them. And we also saw that during this period, it's almost a year and a half, David has been lying to the king. He's telling him, I've been killing my own people, Judah, but in fact, he wasn't. He's been going to the Amalek, killing them. And obviously we said, David could not kill his own people because if he does, then they probably won't make him a king. And that would lose, he would make him lose the goal that God had for him. His purpose in life would, be, would have been lost. One of the main purposes that God had for him. Now, Saul the king, on the other hand, was also somebody that God called at the beginning. He has strayed away from God, but throughout this life, his life has been so easy so far. Like he has been a king, everything looked good for him. And now we stopped and we saw that the Philistines came to attack him. And he is trying to, see, to search for the voice of God. He tried in dreams, he tried in visions. Obviously, there were no more priests because he killed all the priests. Uh, so he had really, he, had, he did not have a lot of resources to go to. So he went to somebody, a magician who can prepare the soul of the dead. To prepare the soul of Samuel the prophet. And when he tried to prepare the soul of Samuel the prophet, Samuel the prophet, we saw last time, told him that God rejected him and told him a specific prophecy that him and his children will die in the battle against the Philistines. And again, we wanted to make that clear distinction. David is sinning, Saul is sinning, but one has rejected God completely. And the other one sins, but still whenever he hears the voice of God, he runs back. And that's a very important distinction to keep in mind. And by the way, in life, this is the baseline. Life is not easy. But those who move on in life and do good are the ones who have a covenant with God. They make mistakes, they come back. They make mistakes, they come back. Everybody's life is going to go through troubles. But those who have a covenant with God are the ones that will continue to have hope, are the ones that will continue to be be able to move on with life because they're only not looking at this life but also the life after so now we're going to look at what's going to happen with david now the philistines army is getting together and they're going to war and now we're going to lift soul last chapter now we're going to go see what's happening with david chapter 29 name of the father son the holy spirit one god amen then the philistines gathered together all their armies at afak and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which in Jezreel. So the Philistines' forces were at Aphek, which is about 30 miles uh, away from Goth. Goth, remember Goth, is, this is where David is. And they were, it's very natural for them to stand by a, by a spring of water to, to support their troops. So now all the troops of the Philistines are getting together and obviously they're expecting David to come to fight for them, to fight with them. 
And the Lord of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed, passed in review at the rear with uh, Achish. So guys, if you remember last time, what did we say? We said that Achish was the king or one of the lords of the Philistines that David stayed with. So when you sit in the armies, there are different units. There is a unit of 100, a unit of 1,000. So David is coming behind his own lord, Achish. So now the Philistines, now it's getting serious. David the prophet is in the army of the Philistines. He's going to fight his own people. And you know, it's interesting. Until this point, we don't know what's going through his head. Did he pray? We don't know. What's happening? We don't know. But we will see in the life of David the prophet something very important. That sometimes God intervenes to prevent him from sinning. We saw this in the story of Abigail when she ran and prevented him from killing uh, Nabal and the, and the household. And by the way, this would have been enough to make him not become a king. He showed him you would have blood guilt on your hand. Today, the same thing. If he would have fought the people of Israel, it would have been enough not to make him a king. So some sins, we see God actively intervening to prevent us from doing. Because it impacts the purpose he has for us. And it's important because some people look at the life of God as God is not as dynamic, as, as active in our life. But he's so active. And sometimes he will let us see the consequences of our own sins. But when the sin becomes a bit prohibitive of what he has plans for us, sometimes he intervenes. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Akish said to the princes of Philistine, Is this not David, the servants of Saul, the king of Israel, who has been, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he def de defected to me. So the Lord of the Philistines, they saw David and they said, what is this guy doing here? Isn't this the servant of Saul? Obviously, the Lords of the Philistines did not know that David is working for Akish. But Akish started to speak highly of David. He's been with him for a year and a half. He brings him food, he brings him gifts, he brings everything. And Akish thinks he's killing his own people, so he's happy with him. Okay? So he's talking to him, says, since he came work with me, I had no issue with him. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. Probably because Akish, they felt Akish is stupid. Why would you allow David to be in the war with us? You know, this is very important because if you leave the place of your identity, you will never belong. You will never belong. Sometimes people you know, like they want to go and party and drink and all of this stuff. At some point you realize that I'm lonely. Because this is not what it was meant for me to be. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down with us to the battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? He continued to be to them as an enemy. They told him, we don't know what he's going to do. What if in the battle he changes his mind and starts attacking us? Is it possible? Very possible. 
But you know what? David has a big problem. What is David's problem? Remember we said David has 600 men and when he went to Akish, they went, he was married already. So all these 600 men, they have families. So he has, they have their wives and their children and Philistines. So if he fights with the Philistines, he will lose his kingdom. And if he fights with Israel, they could come back and revenge and kill his family. So this is such a tough situation. And why is he in that situation? Because he disobeyed the voice of God. And then they say, is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? You know, how many times did this verse repeated? Almost every time David is struggling or David is abandoning God, God reminds him of his most beautiful spiritual experience he had when he killed Goliath. And you know what made this spiritual experience beautiful? He actually believed. He actually believed. But this continued to be a reminder. You know, sometimes, for example, somebody would see, they said, you know what? When I saw St. Mary as a tune, every time I stray away from the church, I remember this and I come back. Spiritual experience, especially supernatural experiences, which is not as rare, they're actually very common, they come sometime a way of people reminding themselves when they, are, when they are losing hope, when they are in despair, when they are sad of the presence of God. Look what happened. Then Akish called David and said to him, obviously Akish feels embarrassed. Now if he tells David, you know, we don't trust you, it's going to sound really bad. So Akish said to David, surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright and you're going out and you're coming in with me and the army is good in my sight. For to this day, I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you, the, lords, the other lords of the Philistines. Therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not dis displease the lords of the Philistines. Can you imagine? Akash is apologizing to David and giving him compliments. And David knows that he's lying. And David knows that he's not been as faithful as Akash thinks. How does that feel when we know that we're deceiving and lying and fake and we get these compliments? If we have a real conscience, these compliments actually will hurt us, will be a wake-up call for us. But if we have a dead conscience, these compliments, will we use them to, will, will make, will we, we will believe them and just continue to live the way we live and we will feel that evil is actually working and we're getting rewarded for our lies so David said to Akish but what have I done and to this day what have you found in your servants as long as I have been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king David you know it's almost God has saved him and he's playing the same game he continues to lie but what have I done? And I really want to fight the, the people of Israel. Taman, he's lying. He's lying. And by the way, this is one of the biggest problems of lying. Is that you almost live a double personality. You lose your identity. 
You lose identity. It puts a wall between you and people around you. So when you lie to your parents, for example, when they come and talk to you, you can either be angry or frustrated quickly. Why? Because you have put a wall. If there is no walls, people become more genuine, more honest. It becomes easy. David has put a wall between him and the king of the Philistines, and rightly so. It's his enemies at the end of the day. But the, law, the wall was put by lying, not by following the commandments of God. Then Akish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Wow. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. He's telling him, David, you have been an angel. Wow. He's telling him, you have been so faithful. You know, sometimes God moves us in different ways. Sometimes he pushes, sometimes he embarrasses you. You know, like a lot of time, for example, you're not able to give. And then God sends you an example of somebody who's able to give so much. Or you give very little, and you know you give very little, but you try to give the impression to people that you've been giving a lot, and then you find people praising you so much. And then you realize, wow, I actually have not been giving as much as people think. So what's happening here is that God is trying to wake up his conscience. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up and early in the morning, and have the light depart. He's telling him, wake up in the morning, you don't belong here. When, when push comes to shove, people will take those whom they trust. And if you are in the world, the world does not trust the child of God. Because at some point his conscience can be woken. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Okay? So now, be careful. David, so far, has not suffered the consequences of his own mistakes. The God has been too generous with him and has been too kind for him. But, but God did this to save him for his purpose that he's preparing him for, but this will not go without a consequence. So we're going to go see in chapter 30, the consequence of the lying of David. Now it happened, when David and his men came to Zaglag on the third day, that the, Amalek, the, Am the Amaleks had invaded the south and the Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Remember who are the Amaleks? The people that David goes to every day, steals their stuff, takes it and gives it to the king of the Philistines, and he kills everybody, children, men, young and women, well, uh, young and old. Why? Because he doesn't want any of them to go back and tell the king of the Philistines that they, they kill, he's attacking us, not the people of Israel. David also made a mistake. What is his mistake? Typically, logically, if you, have, if you have 600 soldiers and you're going for a battle, you need to leave some for defense. But he took all his 600 men. Not sure if he was trying to show off, not sure what he's doing, but because of sinning, and because of he was not thinking correctly, his mind is not with God, he's not praying. Now he made a big mistake. And had taken captive the woman and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So it's actually, the Amaleks did something very strange. They took the woman and the children, but did not kill them. This is 
This is strange because it's common at this time they could kill them or sell them as slaves. Maybe they thought that David was going to be in the war for a little bit longer, so they felt, you know, we have time to take them and move on. So this is three days later. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters have been killed, have been taken captive. Then David and the people with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wife, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people who spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughter, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Wow. You see what happened when David came back all their wives, all their children were taken captive by Amalek. This is David's own mistake, own sin. God prevented him from committing a specific sin, but still wanted to correct him. Still it wanted him to wake up from what he's doing. You know what happened in this story? His own men wanted to stone him. You know, and, and by the way, this is something important. Sometimes for God to shake us, he takes what we rely on the most and shake your trust in it that you may start building a new type of faith in God David since he had his men he felt he was powerful he has an army he has commanders so he felt strong God told him even your men in one second can, can turn against you but you know Remember, I was telling you the difference between David and Saul. David still had God in his heart. So what did he do? In the midst of sin, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, I'll tell you guys something. It is very easy in a situation like this to be sad, to cry, to do all these things, which normal human nature and nothing wrong with that. But it is very difficult to do what David did, to get up from the depth of your sin, depth of sadness, depth of despair, and to come up and actually pray. And you know, a lot of scholars say that David prayed in this time Psalm 25. And I'm going to read like a few verses from this psalm. Look, it says, it says a, Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. For I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. David wrote a song that expressed how he felt. He told God, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. You know, it's beautiful. If you look in the Bible, why do pe what kind of excuses people give to God so that they may have mercy on them? They never say we're good or righteous. They say, I am sinner. I'm weak. I am desolate. I'm afflicted. Look at my enemies. Look at all my trouble. One of the biggest mistakes is that I come to God thinking that I'm going to offer my righteousness to him. I'm coming to offer my sin, my mistakes, my pain, 
so that he can change them, can make me all new. Look at my enemies. Look at my humiliation. Look at my pain. David, at that point, everybody was their, his enemy. Saul doesn't like him. The Philistines rejected him. His own men wanted to stone him. David cried and repented hardcore. You know, when David was sinning, he gained some success. It's not like he was failure. He gained some success. Success. But the problem with the path of sin is when real difficulties come, the devil cannot have mercy on you. But God can. How can somebody have joy when they're about to face their death? Or pain, or, or have peace, or have hope? Unless there is some power beyond this world. Look, so this is where David repented, Psalm 25. Then David said to Abithar, remember Abithar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the effort here to me. And Abithar brought the effort to David. Finally, David, once he repented and he prayed the psalm, now he's going to a priest, he's going to confess. And what is, what is his, after he's confessing, he's asking him, bring me the effort so I could know what God wants. The first thing in my new life is to get guidance from God. Is to get a guidance from God. So David probably is concerned because most likely the Amaleks killed his family or sold them or took them. So he does not know. They left almost three days ago. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this, this, this troop? Shall I overtake take them? So David had two questions for God. I told him, shall I pursue the, the, the troop? Shall I go after the Amalek? Would I win? That's the two questions. Look at the response of God. And he answered him, pursue? Yes. Overtake? Yes. And without fail, recover all. God added another piece. He told him, you will recover all your losses. You know why this is so beautiful? When we sin... Sometimes I feel when I repent, I'm starting from scratch. But God says, no. I will restore you to where you were. And not only to where you were, I'm going to give you something extra. What kind of mercy is this? You will recover all. That he lied, he killed, he stole, he accepted uh, flattering uh, flattering words all these messed up things he was standing in the army of the enemy but he repented this is the beauty of God you know it does not it's, 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 we all believe that God forgives us but sometimes what amazes me is how quickly he forgives us when somebody stands and pray, just a, a one genuine prayer, just one genuine repentance, done. That's it. I want to just tell you guys one thing small. Genuine repentance comes from one key, from one key idea: speaking to God with honesty, speaking to God as a real person 
real feelings, who you are. Speaking to God, not from what you have heard people speaking, but from your own soul. Because only when you speak to God with honesty, you will reach a point where your soul is crying to God. When your soul cries, you actually start the path of repentance. So David went, and he and his 600 men who were with him, and, and came to the brook at uh, Brook Besor, where, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross Brook Besor. So what happened? David has 600 people. God told him, go, you're going to win, you're going to defeat the Amalek, you're going to bring it back. So out of, the four, out of the 600, 200 were tired. They could not cross. It's a, it's a, they were trying to cross uh, Brok Basur. Some of them couldn't do it. It seems like there were some difficulties in crossing. Okay? So what happened is, one third of his army is out. Now, remember... He is now doing something that God told him, go ahead and do it. Is he facing difficulties? Right now he is. He lost one third of his army. That's why I was saying, if he's, he's living in life of sin or live with God, there's difficulties. But when he's living with God, he's confident. He has peace. Then, after, so 200 stayed behind. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they... Let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two cluster of raisin. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. So he had eaten no bread, no, uh, uh, for he had eaten no bread, nor drank water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left him behind because three days ago I fell sick. So what's happening is, Obviously, David wants to pursue the Amaleks. He does not know where they went. It's been three days. So as after 200 were left behind, and God sends him hope. He sees a servant of the Amaleks. He was from Egypt. And it seems like because the servant was sick, his master just left him behind. They don't care. He left him behind. So David came. They give him food, give him water. They strengthen him. And David told him, what, who do you belong to? Who do you follow? It's almost like, what, what do you stand for? Obviously, the servant could have lied to David because in the hands of David, David could, could, could kill him. But this servant was honest and he told him, I am one of the servants of the Amalek. Uh, St. Gregory the Great, he says, with the Egyptian servant is interpreted allegorically as the conversion of an outcast who is renewed by Christ. Because Amalek represents the devil. And this was a servant of the devil. And now he is actually being renewed by David, who is representing Christ. And this is beautiful, beautiful analogy. Because this man, he was a servant of the devil to the point that the devil rejected him. You know, like when you start sinning, and you feel like sin is attractive, and people offer you drugs, and offer you this, and offer you, and lying become easy, and you're getting benefits from lying, and all this stuff. It seems easy at the beginning. But then after a while, you're rejected by everybody. 
He reached a point in the servants where he was outcast, rejected. But then David came, give him water, give him food, renewed him. And instead of working for the devil, now he works for Christ. We made an invasion to the southern area of the Sherathites and the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and burned Ziglag with fire. So now this child is telling, the servant is telling David secret information. He's telling him it was the Amalek who truly killed, uh, who came and invaded your area and took your children. Okay? And they not only come to your area, but they also came to the area of Judah. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. The, la the, the child told him, look, I will take you, but you have to promise me that you're not going to kill me. This was the agreement between him. And when he had brought him down, they, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. Seems like David, when he came, he came at night. And the good news is that he saw his families were, ar were alive. He saw his family were alive. But David looked and he saw them eating and dancing and doing all this stuff. It looks like David waited until the very early morning. Because at night it would have been hard for him to, uh, to know where his families are and distinguish them from the Amaleks. Then David attacked them from the twilight, which is at dawn, and, and, until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on a camel and fled. So you guys remember the Jewish day it starts from 6 p.m. So if he starts fighting from the very morning, let's say 6 a.m., so probably he went on with this war until 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Okay, so from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m., he started fighting the Amaleks who were obviously at this point celebrating and not prepared and God made it easy for him. So David recovered all that the Amaleks had carried away and David rescued his own wives, his two wives. Two wives obviously represent, represents the Jews and the Gentiles. So David saved, recovered what, he was, what was his and look at the rest and nothing of there was lacking either a small or great sons or daughter or spoil or anything which he had taken from them David recovered all then David took all the flocks herds that they had give, uh, driven before those other livestock and said this is David's spoil so what's happening here David recovered everything he had and now what's very strange is that the men of David themselves they said the spoil, the success that we had, belongs to David. When David seeks God, his men became loyal to him. But you know, one of the things that is common that we have seen over and over again in the life of David is that when he, was, when he is with God, his life has a lot of tribulation, but a lot of miracles. Every day, God shows him a miracle. When he's with the devil, when he's disobeying God, his life is easy a lot of times, but he's almost nobody. You hear nothing about him. There's no victories in his life. He's defeated, but he does not know that he's defeated. That's what's happening in his life. So God showed him that when you repent, 
and you follow me, your men not only will regain their trust in you, but they're going to say, you know what, you take everything. Take everything. Wow, that's so beautiful when you see David at this moment. He truly felt how it is easy to connect with God. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so worried that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Basur. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Obviously, David is back. When he came back, he saw the 200 people who stayed behind. David did not rebuke them, did not mistreat them. You know, when you do something, when you do a great work, and you know that it was because of the work, because of the hands of God, you overlook all human failures. But when you think it's by your own might and your own power, you start criticizing every person. So David, because he knows that this happened by the hands of God, he did not criticize anybody. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, obviously you guys remember we said the followers of David were those who were outcast, outlaws. So it's actually a miracle that they are loyal to him. But some of them came and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and deport. So the men, the 400 men who came with David said, you know what, some of them, not all of them said, you know what, it's unfair. These 200 stayed behind, we did all the work. So we're going to only give them their wives and children and let us keep the spoil. And this is, by the way, how division starts in people's life. You know, look, in our life, normal, yani, normal life, people are usually between two cycles. You hear this term a lot, fear and greed. Something happens, you're scared. Once this thing is, 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 this fear is over, then you become greedy. You become greedy, greedy, no limits, until a disaster happens, then you're afraid. Then you just hope that you get, you get saved. Once you get saved, then you get really greedy. That's the cycle of the human animal desires. It's almost like when you see an animal chasing an animal, this is what really happens. Fear and greed. This men, a few verses before, they were crying, they lost their wives, they lost everything. Now God give them everything back. Instead of, instead of being happy, they got greedy. And they want more, and they want more. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with, that, with what the Lord has given us who has pre preserved us and delivered us into the hands, and in, uh, has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troops that came against us. You see, this is how you start having unity in a community, by treating everybody equally. I remember one of the, um, one of the bishops, he never used to address anybody with a title in the church. Wouldn't call doctor, doctor so and so, or lawyer so and so. Or everybody is called brother. This is your brother. This is your sister. This is your brother. This is your sister. When people are treated similarly in the community, this is when unity comes in from. When we start giving preferential treatment to other people, then this is where division happens. But David 
his, his ability to unite the community is because he realized that this victory was from God, not from himself. By the way, this is very similar to the parable of the 11th hour. You know, when, when, when God said, he said, I'm going to give a laborer who worked from the very early morning one denarii, and those who came to work for one hour, just one denarii. They got the same reward. Somebody who might believe in Jesus the last, last year of their life, they would be treated as somebody who's been Christian all their life. You might say it's unfair. Not at all. The, as, a, as a child of God, you have been blessed to be in his bosom all your life. You don't know how it feels not to find a job, to be stressed without a job like all the 11th hour workers who waited all day long. Yes, they're not working hard, but they're worried. They don't have answers to their questions. So here he says, no, let's all, let's all what? Let us all unite. Let us all treat each other the same. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who who goes down to the battle. So shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this day. You see, this is the beauty. When you walk with God, you can set up some fair laws between everybody. It became a law now that soldiers who go to battle will get treated similarly to those who stay behind to protect and, and watch over the things that they have. Uh, well, we'll finish, we'll finish uh, this, uh, this couple of verses and then we'll continue uh, next time with uh, chapter 33. Now when David came to Zeglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. David is feeling good. God just gave him great victory. He's not only acting fairly with his soldiers, but he knows that his own people are about to go to war. They're struggling. You know, David woke up. Few few verses ago, he was going to war against them. After he repented and after he saw the work of God, he said, "My own people are at war, and I have extra. Let me send them food to help them." And now he started actually doing something that completely the opposite of where he began at the beginning of this last chapter. He began to be a member of the army of the Philistines. He ended by somebody who's supplying food to his own people and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.